0: Here's a message from Ken Lavica. A tale as old as time. When things go against your team, it's because of special treatment. Stone the band, hit the open.
1: On your mark, get set, go. You are listening to Ken Lavica Live, presented by FAU MBA
2: and Sport Management Programs. <laughs> Turn it
1: up! From the Anajar and Bean Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN
0: 106.3. Let's make this clear right away. Special treatment in sports absolutely happens. Some athletes get treated differently, more preferentially than others. But that is not what happened last night in San Francisco? Sorry, Celtics fans, except your L. Ken LeVick alive on a Monday on ESPN 1063. Free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. And a John Levine Accident Attorney Studios downtown West Palm Beach. Phillips Point Towers right off of the sunshiny, sparkly, humid, and a bit full. Intracoastal. We survived the weekend. We got in our canoes and uh, we we headed into work this morning. Stone Labanowicz, Friday Night Lights. He runs this catastrophe until two o'clock. And uh, yes, I am uh, Ken Levica. So uh, let's let's first focus on last night. And Game 2 of the NBA Finals, huge third quarter, 35-14. to 14. The Warriors outscore the Celtics, go on to win in a blowout. There was not much drama left to go after we ha- entered the, the fourth quarter. But the amount of focus on Draymond Green, the amount of focus on Draymond Green and his physical play, the amount of focus on how the Celtics are getting screwed, how Ima Udoka took a technical foul because he didn't like the way that the refs were treating the Celtics. It's so overblown. Jalen Green, I didn't touch Gary Payton Jr. I didn't touch him on the layup at the rim. It changed everything. No, what changed everything is that you stopped defending and uh, Steph went off and Jordan Poole went off and you got overwhelmed. That's what happened, Okay. It is amazing, Stone. It wasn't even a week and a half ago when Celtics fans were perfectly okay. Nary a peep out of them about having a plus fifty free throw differential in comparison to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Going into Game Six, the Boston Celtics had taken fifty, not one five five zero. Yeah, fifty Cinquenta. For those Spanish-speaking Celtics fans, who let's be honest, there's not many of them, (laughs) 50 more free throws than the Heat had in that series. And I don't remember one green-clothed, pale Bostonite saying anything about that. Life comes at you fast, huh? It does? Life comes at you fast, because then you get into this series, and Draymond does what Draymond does, and you don't have the mental fortitude to handle it. After he said after game one, hey, game two, we're going to be fine. Going to bring it. And he did. And you couldn't keep up with the physicality. You lost game two. Sucks. Take the L. Move on. You did the job in San Francisco. But the whining, the incessant, the incessant, Draymond should have been ejected after he fell to the floor with Jalen Green. Draymond, 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 Draymond Green. This is ridiculous. Somebody tell me how this is. He's not ejected. Stop it. Stop it. You you sound whiny and you sound hypocritical cuz again the heat in game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals do you remember stone just how vast how vast the free throw differential was in that game the, the whistles um. the whistles it was so one sided and the heat just sucked it up and they went And they played. I don't remember Game Three specifically. It seems like eight years ago. I understand. (laughs) I I wasn't asking you. I wasn't asking you for like the numbers. You're right. Right. If you just recollect the 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 egregious number of trips to the free throw line compared to what the the Heat had in Game Three. Was absolutely ridiculous.
3: I remember it was in the midst of Jason Tatum getting into club superstar, so he's getting a superstar whistle mm-hmm. now, and it, it's kind of just started from from early on this
0: postseason, right? Exactly. So I just I don't want to hear from Celtics fans how they're being mistreated. By the way, that number in Game Three was thirty to fourteen. Wow. in favor of the Celtics, not and double, the, more than double, and, and more than double, and the Heat just kept plugging. And Bam hit some shots, and Kyle Lowry hit a three, and you move on. Okay? So, what I'm saying is this is not a good look on Celtics fans. I'm not arguing that preferential treatment doesn't happen. It absolutely does. But Draymond Green, you're going to try and make the case that Draymond Green gets preferential treatment? Get out of here. If we were talking about Steph, I'd say, all right. Hell, if we were talking about Clay, in some circumstances, I'd say, all right. I love it. All right. But Draymond Green, you think the NBA cares if Draymond Green stays on the floor for the entirety of a game in the NBA Finals? You think that they care if Draymond Green stays on the floor against a team in the Celtics where the NBA business is good? for the NBA if the Boston Celtics win the world championship. Okay. And I understand that there were some discussions last night. that were a bit unsavory that showed maybe a a gross underbelly that we don't want to talk about, but we know that it's there. So, Here's the issue with Draymond Green for Boston fans and for anti-Draymond Green fans, because that exists, right? Like, there's a faction of anti-Draymond Green fans. No doubt about it. And I'm not it. the biggest Draymond Green fan, and I think a lot of what he says about, oh, being tough, being brave, like it's cringy stuff sometimes. I think that uh, he is sometimes loves himself a Draymond Green quote. But oh, yeah. but uh, in, in this spot, Draymond Green picks up his first technical in the first quarter, okay? He gets into it with Gerald Williams, and uh, they start jawing at one another. There's some bumping. There's some pushing. Grant Williams, I mean. Uh, Gerald Williams, not in this series. (laughs) Grant Williams. um, And then Draymond gets a technical for throwing his arm up and trying to finally get out of the vicinity of Grant slash Gerald Williams. And... They called a tactical on that when in a, a sane basketball world, that's probably double T's, right? There was nothing that was more aggressive from Draymond Green in that exchange that Grant Williams hadn't performed in that exchange. The reason Draymond was still in the orbit of Grant Williams, this is Grant Williams is wrapping his arm around Draymond Green's arm and keeping him pulled in. So Draymond finally ripped his arm out of there, and Draymond, Mister Preferential Treatment, Draymond Green got the technical out of all of that, which I thought was a nonsense technical. I didn't think there was there needed to be any whistle there whatsoever. So ah, Draymond has a technical, but honestly, for me, that was a trash bag technical. It shouldn't have been called. If you remember on that play. Grant Williams was
3: called for a foul, uh-huh. Wait, I mean, which it obviously wasn't his, so maybe it was kind of like they get back, you know, we gave you the foul, we'll give him the tech. But it was Draymond who antagonized it, I felt and like. I'm not, he knew what he was doing.
0: I am, I am absolutely not going to go to bat in any way, shape, or form for Grant Williams. I'm not doing it. Or Gerald Williams. Oh, or matter. Gerald. But definitely not Grant Williams. So, then in the second quarter, Draymond gets tied up with Jalen Green. They both hit the floor. So, the immediate thought is, oh, it should be a double technical. It should be a double technical. But we're acting like Draymond Green, football-wise, tracked down... Jalen Green from behind and, like, took him to the ground as if he was a receiver running down the sideline and Draymond Green came up and tried to hook his leg or tried to jump on his back and punch at the ball. I mean, it's not too far
3: out of his range considering he laid a screen for Steph, I think, in that third quarter where he just bulldozed yeah, yeah. Al Horford. He elbowed yeah, Jalen Brown if out you of the way.
0: Have, if you want to have a discussion about uh, Draymond Green and moving screens... like a pulling guard. I'll ha- yeah, he was a fullback. <laughs> I'll, I'll have that discussion. But as far as this play with Jalen Green... I was totally fine. I'm with you. With nothing being called in that spot. What makes it worse and what draws the ire of fans, though, is when former NBA official, now uh, ABC ESPN NBA officiating expert Steve Javi jumps on and he says the following when asked, when pressed by the broadcast crew about why there wasn't any technical called, which meant, even if it was a double technical, Draymond Green would have been tossed.
1: You have to consider one player has definitely a technical foul. Is this enough to call a double T and eject the one player? Personally,
4: I would say nothing, and I would just let it diffuse as that. That's just my opinion. Well, Steve, my question to you is, as a referee over there in the huddle, are you thinking about the fact that Draymond has one technical already? Absolutely. I think that's part of good
1: officiating is the fact that you have to know who has the technical fouls. And in this situation, one of the players does. Is this enough to warrant an ejection? Is what you have to think about. It. See, I a lot of people disagree with that, Steve, but I think that's what separates... Every the defensive foul on green stands. There's no further penalties on this.
0: Sorry to uh, Jeff Van Gundy, but we didn't need to hear the rest of that. Um, Steve Javi, when you first hear it, you think to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe he just admitted that. I can't believe he just admitted that you're taking into account that there's a player in that exchange that has a technical and you're going to alter how you view that in order to keep that player on the floor it, it i will admit when i heard it the first time last night i was like woof yeah that's sort of uh you're you're bringing the unsaid into the known public realm yeah our ears have never heard it before no it was it was like whoa 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 i'm not sure adam Silver's going to be happy about that but then I thought about it a little bit more this morning. And, and real quick, we just play, could we just play it uh, real quick Gunstone, just so we can all hear it one more time. Steve Jabby, his explanation as to why Draymond Green didn't grab a technical or why there wasn't a double technical with uh, Green and Brown last night in the second quarter.
1: You have to consider one player has definitely a technical foul. Is this enough to call a double teeth and eject the one player? Personally, I would say
4: nothing, and I would just let it diffuse as that. That's just my opinion. Well, Steve, my question to you is, as a referee over there in the huddle, are you thinking about the fact that Draymond has one technical already? Absolutely. I think that's part of good officiating is the fact
1: that you have to know who has the technical fouls, and in this situation, one of the players does. Is this enough to warrant an ejection? Yep. What you have to think about it.
0: That right there. That right there. Go ahead and stop it. So what Steve Javi is saying is not – What Steve Javi is saying is not, oh, we're protecting Draymond Green in that spot. What he's saying is that we're risking ejecting a player, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter if it's Grant Williams, doesn't matter if it's Peyton Pritchard, gutless coward, doesn't matter if it's Draymond Green, doesn't matter if it's Steph Curry, doesn't matter if he was in this series, Gerald Williams, doesn't matter. What matters is that you mean to tell me that we're going to eject a player as part of a double technical where two guys got tied up in a physical basketball game, and we're going to to disqualify a player because he was part of a physical play in what would be a double technical? In the NBA Finals. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. If Draymond Green walked up to Jalen Brown and cold-cocked him, right hook at him, turned to an official and said, I hate you, I hate your wife, and I'm going to throw your son off of a building, like, okay, now we have a discussion. Now, he's definitely receiving preferential treatment if he doesn't get his technical, his second technical out of that. But you mean to tell me those two get tied up, they both hit the floor, and we're going to call it double tactical, and that's going to mean any player who's sitting on a technical foul gets tossed because of that? Common sense dictates don't do that. That would be silly. If Draymond did something egregious, toss him. That was not egregious. And and if Jalen Brown picked up a technical and they purposely did not call a double technical to take to keep Draymond in the grain uh, game, then we have a problem. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it was Draymond
3: Green that was in the middle of this. That this like he was the catalyst. Because if the rule applies for anybody else, what Steve Joby was saying, I mean, your entire point is that it could have really been anybody. Anyone, they wouldn't have thrown Peyton Pritchard out. There's no, no need. There's no difference between and the two. And you in can a, in a get away like
0: with with calling a double technical with two guys who aren't on a technical, but you mean to tell me that you're going to you're going to eject a player because he got tied up? Then in it, it was easier to just say no technical, no double technical, no nothing than hey, this dude's just playing hard, but uh, we're going to toss him. We're gonna to toss him because he's part of a double technical, which is sort of a ruling that's made to to ease tensions and to sort of cool things down. That's why the NBA you see so many double technicals when even guys just come face to face. Yeah. These officials did nothing wrong. They they did they did nothing wrong. Uh, now, Draymond Green was on Sports Center last night. Draymond Green was talking with Michael Eaves last night on Sports Center, and there's another quote source of contention that I saw lighting up the old Twitter timeline this morning. Here's Draymond Green with Michael Eaves on Sports Center last night.
4: We saw you getting physical with Jalen Brown, you with uh, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart. Um, was what mentality is that for you, Draymond, in a game like this where you know you couldn't fall behind 2-0? Can't fall behind, too. Old. I know that falls on me. The physicality, that's my department. I have to make sure I lead in that area and everyone else will follow. So wanted to come out physical from the gate, make sure guys knew that that's the intensity, that's the, that's the physicality level that we need to be at in order to win in the NBA Finals. And so I just wanted to come out and lead by examples and get the guys something to follow. All right, so with that said, how concerned were you that they may have given you a second technical when you and Jalen Brown were down on the floor? Not at all. Word? Um,
1: I mean, you
4: are Draymond Green. Me. You I'm, said I, they treat I, you differently. I, I, that is, but it's the NBA Finals. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I wear my badge of honor. It's not that I'm saying they necessarily treat me different. I've earned differential treatment, and I enjoy that. I embrace that. But I'm never going to let someone stand over me. I'm a man first. My kids are in the stands. I don't I don't play by like those type of games. And so whatever happens at that point happens. So the part where he says...
0: Differential treatment. That part, I've earned differential treatment. Let's just hear that real quick, that one time. I've earned differential
4: treatment. Certainly treat me different. I've earned differential treatment, and I enjoy that.
0: Right there. I think that there is, especially if you have a Celtics tilt, your brain hears differential, forgets the context of what's being discussed, and hears preferential. Draymond Green's not saying he receives preferential treatment. That has a positive connotation. As if he thinks he's going to go out there and do whatever he wants. Yeah, He's going to be able to chop at guys. He's going to be able to body slam guys. And he's not going to get called. When he says differential treatment, what he's saying is he knows he's a target. He knows officials are watching him. Why do you think he racks up so many technical fouls, so many personal fouls, every postseason run that the Warriors make? Because he knows that he's always being looked at. Not, I've earned preferential treatment. I know that I'm treated in a differential manner. And he accepts that, meaning he's willing to take to the floor, understanding that there's probably going to be a pretty quick whistle against him. He's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. But I get it, in, in a, a series, in high-stakes sports, we hear what we want to hear. We hear what's going to help us justify our emotions. And that's why we're having the conversation about Draymond Green. Draymond Green, and whether or not he was ejected, didn't change last night's game. But it makes for a convenient what-if for Celtics fans. And when in reality, Draymond Green picked up the early technical, and then he got caught up in what was a physical play that he should have stayed on the floor after four. And the officials did well to realize the brevity of that situation, not penalize anybody, and move on. It's as simple as that. Yeah, if you're a Boston
3: fan, instead of going that route, you should be upset that you let Draymond and that Warriors team dictate set,
0: everything. Set the tone early. a uh-huh. Physicality. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do what we wanna do. Instead like of said. whining about it, why didn't you rise to the occasion? For sure. Because the Celtics were clearly affected by the whistle last night. The reason I brought up the heat earlier and the thirty one to fifteen free throw discrepancy in game three of that series, and you didn't have Jimmy Butler in the second half, and you didn't have Lowry and Tyler Heroes all banged up. What did the Heat do in that game, in game three? Got it done. They got it done because they raised their level of play. Simply. And they fought off charges. They fought off the officials. The Celtics, what did they do last night? They wilted. They complained to the refs. Jason Tatum was a minus 37, which is the single worst plus minus in the history of the NBA finals by any individual player since they started tracking the stats. What did they do? They disappeared. They complained. They had their coach earn a technical foul. They didn't match the level of intensity. There is one side that has themselves to blame for last night for a Celtics loss. It is not Draymond Green or the Golden State Warriors. It is not the guys who were wearing gray last night with the whistles. It's the guys who were wearing green. I mean, that's I, who's to blame. I'm 100% on board, and I think it's interesting you brought up Miami
3: and Boston's Game Six, right, where we roasted the occasion. Last night felt a little similar to that, now that I'm thinking about it. The way, when Gary Payton came into the game and got a standing ovation, you knew something was up. Like, like, his hustle, his energy, the way he was playing defense, and then pair that with the way Steph Curry was playing defense, it almost, like, seemed, if they wanted to do this each and every night,
0: Boston screwed. Like, yeah. they, just, they, they didn't look like they could match that level of physicality. Like Evan said at the 11 the Celtics have been down double digits both games right? in this series. Okay, but we still have to see it in Boston, and I think the Celtics are much like they did after frustrating moments in the heat, seas, uh, heat series. The Celtics rise to the occasion. I mean, they're a great bounce back in this postseason run, no doubt. I think they've lost
3: they've lost once. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they've lost after they've uh, they yep. only lost back to back
0: games once this right. entire Right, Exactly, exactly. It took you a while to get there. You
3: finally <laughs> got there.
0: You finally got there. Um, but I'm not saying that that preferential treatment doesn't happen. But Draymond Green did not receive preferential treatment. The Warriors did not receive preferential treatment. The officials weren't wrong last night, okay? So stop this. Stop USA Today, Sports Illustrated, New York Times, Boston Globe, San Francisco Inquirer. Draymond Green, Draymond Green, Draymond Green, Draymond Green, should he have been suspended? Or uh, ejected? Should he have uh, been, been sent to the locker room? No, 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 no. I, I I just I hope that us walking you through that makes you realize nothing unsavory happened last night. Steve Javi didn't say anything that after listening to it a couple of times should drop your jaw and say, see, the NBA is rigged. No! This is common sense stuff, man. It's not like it's not preferential treatment what happened last night like wide receivers get in the NFL. I mean In the NFL, in the NFL And I know that you're going to be mad about this, quarterback boy. (laughs) Former Division I quarterback stolen the Banowitz Friday Night Lights. But there are rules specifically designed, and they have been, in the NFL especially, they have been uh, enhanced more and more and more and more over the years to increase pass interference, to give defensive backs less leeway to make contact and to gain an edge. To me, the preferential treatment, the most preferential treatment for any athlete in sports... Goes to wide receivers. I'm not gonna disagree. The with guys you. with the hands. So I'm sorry. Like <laughs> if we're talking preferential treatment, and again it happens. It happens. Didn't happen last night. And I needed to clear a couple of those things up before I transition into my main point here. Preferential treatment does matter though. And it does happen. And in the NFL it happens. And I'm curious which athletes always seem to get the special treatment? Which athletes always seem to get the special treatment? It can be an individual athlete. It can be a group of athletes. It can be a position. Me, I'm going a little bit unconventional. I'm going an entire position. Wide receivers in the NFL always seem to get special treatment. Always. You touch their arm past five yards, flag. You make minimal contact with the back of their helmet with a fingertip, flag. 15-yard penalty. Illegal contact to the face. Like That's the stuff that drives me insane. You sound like you're having flashbacks. I I can't stand how little wide receivers actually have to do to succeed. Okay? I know that (laughs) you've got to have elite speed. I know that you have to have solid hands at least. Okay? I get that. But you should at least have to fight for the ball. DBs, that's the hardest position in all of sports in my mind. Being a defensive back in the NFL, a corner. A corner, not a safety. A corner is the hardest position anywhere in sports Period. Because you can't do anything. You cannot do anything except hope and pray and get uh, get savvy with how you grab at players to try and keep them at least in, in your neighborhood. But wide receivers, forget Draymond Green and the Warriors. Wide receivers get the most preferential special treatment in sports. Which athletes always seem to get special treatment? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can tweet at us, at KLV1063. Maybe you want to fight Stone and I on the officiating last night and on Draymond Green, whether or not he should have stayed in the game. The answer to that is, for both of us, a resounding yes in that spot. But let's talk about athletes that get preferential treatment. Let's talk about athletes that get that special treatment. Who are they? Individuals? Positions? Let's go. Which athletes always seem to get the special treatment? I am anti-wide receiver today. We should dial up Pierre Garçon. I'm going to tell him about it. Sorry, Pierre, you got a gift in your career. You had a cushion the entire time because the NFL wanted to see you succeed, Pierre (laughs) Garçon. Which athletes always seem to get special treatment? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can tweet at us at KLV 106.3. Ken Levick Alive is presented by our title partner, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Here's what I know. is you get your MBA in sport management from Florida Atlantic, you want to get into the sports industry, work your dream job, that turns into preferential treatment because the employers see, wait, an MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic? This is elite. Uh, yeah, if, if I have a candidate that got his MBA in sport management from Florida Atlantic, Or a guy that went to like Key Biscayne Community College. Yeah, all right, FAU MBA Sport Management Program. We know that they're good. We know that they're knowledgeable. We know they're prepared. Come work for us, and that's how you get your dream job. Get your MBA in Sport Management. Get into your dream job in the sports industry at Florida Atlantic. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA sport management program doing it for 22 years. Which athletes always seem to get special treatment? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's start in Boynton, and that's where we find the man, Ernesto. What's up, Ernesto.
2: What's up, guys? I hope you guys had a good weekend, and thanks for taking my call. And I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to agree with you, Ken and I'm Stone. I'm sorry, man, but I'm gonna have to go a little bit deep and say also oh, QBs. But now, wait, wait. I'm only <laughs> saying because I'm from the old school of football, man. And when it used to come with the, you know, with the power drivers and the, you know, and the Ivan Puskies and the whole stuff, you know, they come with MMA moves back then. Now you can't do that, you know. It's it's a little bit refined, and you know, you can't you can't do nothing to the receivers. But uh, I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper in terms of what they did to basketball in terms of the hand check rule. Because mm-hmm. I think that once they took that hand check rule out the game, it, it opened up basketball. Like, it, that's it. It was open. It, 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 you're not going to see it ever close again because that was what prevented that from happening. Once that was taken away... Oh, you're going to see just scoring and scoring and, and, and you know, the the queries of the world come out. That's it. Yeah, well, Guys, that's that's where weekend. guards,
0: yeah, appreciate you, Ernesto, and that's where guards took over. That's where guards took over. It's a great started, ball. Started the takeover. It took a little bit, but I think the the main reason for why, the, why basketball has become such a guard-heavy game now is because the hand check was eliminated. You're too old to remember this, though, Stone, and so the alternative to the hand check was put your forearm. In the back of the person you're defending if they're playing back to the basket. Now, back to the basket is also fairly uncommon these days now in basketball, at least much less so than it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, uh, but but then they said, wait, we didn't allow the handshake, but we're allowing you to put a forearm in their back? That makes no sense either. So then that was outlawed, and now there's just no contact allowed, and so that's why we're in this current genesis of basketball that we live in, which to me is fine, but It also has turned uh, being a big man into uh, you're probably not going to have a ton of success in professional basketball unless you're a stretch big. you got to do more than
3: than hang out in the post. For sure, and and at times it makes the first and second quarter of an NBA game unwatchable Mm -hmm. because it's just whistle on whistle Mm -hmm. on whistle. and might as well just tune in in the fourth quarter because the game is going to be tied. Right. So, I, yeah, I didn't necessarily know the history behind the hand check and why the form was gone. So that's I mean, a
0: really underrated take from Ernesto. It, you helped, was- it helped MJ. It helped MJ become what he... No, MJ was still going to be the greatest of all time, and I don't want to hear any fight to the contrary. Okay. Um, but it definitely... It helped usher in a new era, and it certainly helped... It, it helped MJ solidify what was eventually going to be the case, but really solidify early, yeah, I'm the greatest. It makes a lot of sense. And a lot of guys who who
3: didn't have the advantage then had the advantage mm-hmm. because of the rules. So, like I said to Ernesto, super
0: underrated take. And I'm surprised I didn't you know know the history behind it. Which that. is why, though, great defenders in the modern-day NBA, we need to give them a whole lot more credit for what they are in the pantheon of the game. Yes, please. Compared to the 70s or the 80s. I mean, honestly... Pistons fans always hang their hat on bad boys. Bill Lambeer being tough. Bill Lambeer wouldn't even make a G League team Wait, in 2022. Any, anybody could have done what they were doing out there at that time. Bill Lambeer, Bill Lambeer, we don't even know who he is. He's selling insurance somewhere if Bill Lambeer was a basketball player. In his prime in 2022, okay? Just understand that. Yeah, that's right. I'm throwing out Bill Lambeer's slander because that guy was the bane of my existence when I was a kid growing up in Chicago. Him and John Starks. Eat that. Uh, Brandon on Twitter, I don't know what Boston fans were complaining that the reason the Celtics lost was because of the refs, because some of the bogus calls happened before the second half, and there were only two of them. That's not the reason at all why Boston lost. The Warriors were tougher, and Tatum's complaining, raising his hands up, had me fuming instead of playing for contact, just drive the ball, the calls will come. Jason Tatum, of all people, should understand, you drive, you're going to get the calls. He got all of them in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Tatum has a bad habit. Of not playing defense on uh-huh. the other end. If, mm. if something goes against him, yeah. he'll just stand in the backcourt and complain. Look to the official. Shrug his shoulders. Put his head down. When he's engaged, he's a really good defender. I, I screw it up not giving him the proper amount of respect going into the Eastern Conference Finals that I should have as an on-ball defender. And really as a half-court defender. But that guy... He lets the officials get into his head way too much. I don't know if that's him being a young player, if that's his personality, or what. Maybe, he's, th- maybe he thinks he's Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I for for I don't want to be disrespectful. You like that one? That was really good. And I think <laughs> we need to have a serious conversation about Jason Tatum here because I get he loves Kobe, but he's starting to get to uncomfortable levels. With How this whole brutal thing. The, was the pre-game outfit? I mean, I just kind of feel like if you're Vanessa. You might want to start thinking about a restraining order against the man because he might be on your front porch by, uh, by game five, okay? Uh, Draymond Green did not get preferential treatment last night. He did not. The Warriors did not get preferential treatment last night. Was it a well-officiated game? No. Are they ever? No. It's the NBA. Come on, guys. Come on. But I do want to discuss athletes that get preferential treatment. And I think Ernesto brings up a good point. Guards. Guards, if we're going positions, they benefited big time from the hand check being eliminated in the NBA. But which athletes always seem to get special treatment? There's one quarterback I can name off the top of my head right now that changed the rules of the sport because he got hurt. That's probably a great one to start when we're talking specific athletes, and it wasn't Stone the Bannowitz. Which athletes always seem to get the special treatment and frustrate the hell out of you? 888 760 3776. 888 760 3776. Twitter at KLV 1063. We'll pay a visit to that Hellscape app when we come back. He's Stone LeBano. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 1063. (music)
1: From the Anajar and Levine studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Lavicka Live on ESPN 1063. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Dream on green. A stain on the sport of basketball.
0: No, it's just, it was a, a physical NBA finals game. He shouldn't have been ejected. Shouldn't have even been a first technical, in my mind. He probably should have gone technical-less yesterday. I practiced saying that like four times during the break, too. That's why it came out so flawlessly. It did come out nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. But there are examples of privilege in sport, special treatment, whether it's wide receivers. Again, that's my that's my apex, top-of-mountain Peak of Everest example is wide receivers. You can't do anything, I, at least in the pros. It's getting there in college, but at least in the pros, if you're a, if you're a DB, you can't do anything to impede the progress of a wide receiver. It's it's really difficult. It, it, it's it's like the point I was making uh, about modern day NBA defenders. The best ones need to be considered the greatest defenders in NBA history because. There's less contact allowed than at any point in the history of the game. And somehow, the likes of Bam Adebayo, Marcus smart, especially on the perimeter. That's incredible. Rudy Gobert, they year after year after year are in the discussion because they've learned how to defend and adjust what they knew about basketball to cater to modern-day basketball. Same thing with the NFL, though. Like corners. How do you adjust and and... These these corners are the most technically gifted football players maybe in the history of this sport because you can't, you can't be a physical corner any longer. Can you be physical? Sure, you can find ways, but the real elite-level, Hall of Fame-level corners now in modern-day football are because they're so technically gifted. Each position
3: on a football field... Those players are masters of their crafts, but it does take a little extra uh-huh. to be a top-tier corner in the league. And it just has nothing to do with athletic ability. Like you mentioned, it's technical. Right. Like what these guys are able to do with their hands and feet, how much more film they have to watch on, you know, guys they're going up against. Because a lot of the times, if you're playing offensive line and you're playing guard, three techs from other teams have a lot of similarities. It's not like you're when I mean, we're not talking about the Aaron Donalds and the other guys of the world. Like a lot of the other ones show a lot of similarities but there are a lot of different receivers that get thrown at you during the season, so it yeah. takes a lot more studying and a lot more attention to detail.
0: Like I think that there are plenty of wide receivers from the 80s and 90s that could play in today's game if they were still in their prime and succeed because the game caters to success towards offense and wide receivers especially. But there are zero corners. I don't care. I don't care. There are zero corners who played in the 80s or early 90s who could come to this NFL and succeed because they'd get burned, they would get flagged every single play, okay? Uh, Jalen Ramsey went into the 80s, he would dominate. Oh my. He would absolutely dominate because he would be able to function against 90% of the league because he's significantly faster than them, but also... He'd be allowed to be physical, which we know he can be as well. He'd get away with some pulling and some grabbing and some head contact and he would dominate. But a, if a it, male blunt? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. But you could not bring a let's uh I'm trying to think of an example of I mean, honestly, I'm not even sure a Dion would survive. A Deion Sanders, I don't think would survive. Now, now don't do Deion like that because he day. would adjust. He would adjust. He'd probably tweet at me too. He he, he would know Say I'm disrespecting Jackson State.
3: <laughs> he would be able to get ready for any type of scenario, or any style of the league, wherever they were. He was going to find a way to be there and be at the top of it. So don't do Deion like that.
0: No, I'm going to do Deion like that at least for now. I'm <laughs> going to do Deion like that at least for now. But but that that's my example of. Athletes that get the most special treatment. And again, this is off a, a Draymond Green. Celtics fans want you to think that last night happened because Draymond Green uh, didn't get ejected when he should have been, didn't pick up a second technical when he should have been. But, no, Draymond should have stayed on the floor. But there is special treatment that athletes get, individual or positions, and to me, the special treatment's given to wide receivers big time. That's where you're making your money. Kids, kids out there playing football, At least give wide receiver a shot, okay? And then after that, tight end, right? If you're going to play football, wide receiver, then tight end. And maybe you have stone hands. I get it. It's difficult sometimes. Catching a football is not easy. So then that's where you... I would say you probably want to try and be a pass rusher after that, right? I mean, no. Not because you need to... What's your hierarchy of... What what positions you should teach kids in order to make the most money in pro football? Now, this is very complex because you
3: got to go buy your family jeans. How much weight are you going to put on, right? Are you going to end up putting your hand in the dirt? Like, how tall are you going to be? There are so many things that come into it. Like, I played center my first year. I realized I wasn't going to be tall. You
0: played center? You're like
3: 5'8". I know. But when when we are 8 years old, we're all the same size. So it, <laughs> did, so it didn't matter. And it was like, you know, when you get to that 10, 11, 12-year-old range, you start to realize, all right. oh, my kid's going to be tall. Yeah. My kid's going to be fat. My kid's going to be strong, skinny. Like, so you don't know.
0: Let's play the hypothetical game then. Say you're 14. Okay. All right. Fourteen years old. You're still developing as a human. Yeah, okay? eighth grade to freshman year. But you're year. starting to have an indication of what you might be. All right. So, but let's 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 just from pure positions, okay? Pure positions. What is the hierarchy of what is the hierarchy of positions that your kid or a kid should try to play? in order of how much money or how much success they could have at the pro level with it, okay? Like everything with this show, it's convoluted, it's very wordy, you know where I'm coming from. So the, the first overall pick is quarterback, right? Like oh. Quarterback is the number one overall pick. Yes. Okay, and then we'll go from there. I, I'd like to open this up, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Here's the hypothetical, okay? Okay based on how much success you can have at the pros, based on what football is, based on what will make you the most money. Say you have a 13, 14-year-old kid who doesn't quite know what position on the field he's going to play in football. What, what is the hierarchy of positions he or she should try to learn in order to become that to have the most success and make the most money in the NFL. The number one overall pick is quarterback. It is wide open after that. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And oh yeah, also, which athletes always seem to get the special treatment? Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six. Leo is in Riviera Beach. Leo's on Ken Levica live. Hi, Leo.
5: Hey guys, happy Monday. Thanks for taking my call. I just want to say real quick about the corners transferring. I give you two corners. I know you you blasphemed Dion, Coach Prime, <laughs> Sanders. Um, he definitely could transfer because he wasn't a bump and run corner. And then Dale Green, Dale Green. Some say is the fastest ever, fastest player that ever Fast played and
0: technical. And yeah, was, yeah, that's good.
5: Yeah, he was he was he was forty still running four four threes. True. So I would say Dale Green and and uh, but I, but as far as I not I wouldn't be sure that Sam Madison could transfer to today yeah because sam madison he wasn't the fastest corner no he had the instincts but but just to you know just to show that i'm not trying to be biased against corners or anything i think maybe sam madison from 25 years ago might not be able to do it i think it's but i think the hierarchy hierarchy you know cornerback uh quarterback obviously you said that then wide receiver and then i think i think that players would like this if they had the size they would like to be tight end and then i think you got to go like three or four positions on the offensive side of the ball before you even get the defensive side of the ball just because the money's on the offensive side the 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 publicity's on the offensive side most of the time then
0: interesting
5: and you're you're geared towards you're geared to succeed like you're going to succeed on offense because the rules are made you know The rules are set up for you to succeed on
0: offense. All right, Leo. Appreciate the call. Now, here's my counter to that is how do you explain the running back position then? Because running backs, uh, if if you, in the NFL these days, if you have legs, right, and you can break a couple of tackles and you were someone who was able to succeed in college and you're not a bleep up. You might get some run at running back in the NFL because NFL teams don't want to make long-term commitments on running backs because they think they can just go to the running back store and pick one up and say, hey, run the ball for us, please. And they can. And they and, can. And, and, and they've definitely been shown that they can.
3: But here's uh, where, it, where it gets a little you know, difficult to, to bring other positions in to like a second spot behind the quarterbacks. Because there are just so many roster spots for skill positions. Like, you could return kicks on the practice squad. You could be wide out. You can play inside. You can play strictly outside. You can be a blocking wide out. You can come be a scat back. You can come be a Daryl Mooney. Like, whatever you want to be. There are so many more options for a skill position. So, that's immediately where you take your kid second. Of course, you know, you got to find out if he's got hands, how fast he is. But here's what everyone's forgetting. Now, this is coming from somebody who played quarterback. Okay. I am mad at my mother for this. And I am mad at my father. For this.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh, we've got, we've got parental strife here.
3: Why the hell uh-huh. would you not teach me how to kick and punt a football? Because what these guys do <laughs> during a practice would blow
0: your mind. <laughs> which, which what Stone is saying is that the lack of any activity that they have during practice will blow your mind. I'm
3: talking any activity. <laughs> I'll be, uh, it'll be an hour and a half into one of our practices, and I'll look over to the sideline, and it's the punter and kicker and the long snapper. And they're playing 21. And I don't know if you guys know the game 21. Like you're trying to throw it and hit him in the chest for two points or head for right. one. So whatever. <laughs> then you catch them throwing footballs into the stands, uh-huh. up, seeing if they can hit the scoreboard in a certain way. You'll come back after practice into the locker room. Let's say, you know, I had to, I had to leave early. If, if I was doing like an, a little interview or something, I got in the locker room first. The punter would be dead asleep in his locker. And I, it's like, are you, this is, mind you, this is a 21, 22-year-old kid. This is college. It doesn't change the NFL. The guys, the guys get out there earlier than yeah. everybody, yeah. punt and kick, get their 30 minutes in. Coach tells them to get lost. We've got to do kick return and punt return. They can have anybody do that because it, it you're really just on air. So, so, what these guys do and how much they get paid, that is exactly where you need to start your kid out.
0: Interesting. All right. So, so let's quarterback, punter, kicker, skill position. So, let's go by uh, money made in the NFL, but also longevity. In the NFL, where should your hypothetical 13 or 14-year-old, where should he or, or where should he or she put their focus on, okay? So quarterback is the unequivocal number one. That's where the glory is, right? But not everybody's cut out to play quarterback, all right? Stone <laughs> had a big arm, wasn't particularly accurate, but he had some guts. <laughs> he had some guts. He didn't have a lot of size, but he made it. He made it to the D1 level, okay? He won, he won a, a playoff game, all right? He's got that. Um, but... I suppose wide receiver because the the rules are so slanted in your favor based on what the NFL trot's out there. Tight ends I think come in at number three, but you got to bulk up. You can't just go in there and if you're under six foot, sorry kid, ain't happening. I mean absolutely not. And also, let's not put tight end at three because people forget
3: how dirty they have to get. And those true, guys those true. guys are a part of the trenches. Just as much as the offensive
0: linemen are. Yeah, and you ri- run the risk of, if you don't have the greatest hands, getting pegged as a blocking tight end. And nobody wants to be a blocking then you tight hate, end unless you're a freak. Then you hate your life. Yeah. So I, I, I still think, number three, there's some elegance in being a pass rusher. And if you're a good enough pass rusher, yeah. chances are in a set of downs, you play two of them. You play two of them. Right? In a set of downs, okay? And then you get paid like $2 million in a new contract for forcing two fumbles you know and when you when you when you're a
3: pass rusher and you're going into a season it's like you already know if i can get 11 sacks i'll make 16 million dollars next year mm-hmm. like there's already a goal going into it that's different than anywhere else so
0: right now for me quarterback wide receiver defensive end quarterback wide receiver defensive end it allows for longevity it allows for the most money possible That's why I am not including any sort of offensive lineman in this because nobody in their right mind, if you are normal, if you are sane, if you have a brain that is not full of smooth patches, you don't want to be an offensive lineman because that is a certain type of pain threshold you have to consistently fight through, hand-to-hand combat, knees getting rolled up on, no rules whatsoever, and as an offensive lineman, you're targeted all the time. You you wrap your hand around a wrist, and you're going to get called for holding, okay? And it's your responsibility not to get the franchise quarterback, the pretty boy, killed. But from a parent perspective,
3: when your kid's in high school, like it's a free route to get college paid a for. A free
0: route to go get big and fat.
3: It's a free route to go get big and fat. Your son get you know his college <laughs> paid for, and there's a chance he makes millions of dollars. Sorry to offensive lineman, by the way. I got very judgmental there. <laughs> I mean, I got no doubt. Up. I'm sorry. No doubt you did. If your ten, if, if if your kid's ten years old and he's six three. I mean, you're not paying for college. Like, like that's where your parent feed mindset should go. Just feed that boy. Feed that boy. He's not going to be a track star, but he could be a big hoss. <laughs> and get him in front of the right eyes, and you're set for life. That's how, it, that's how it works out with those big guys. Get him to the buffet line and just have him tiptoe
0: through some cones, <laughs> and you'll be all right. That is it. <laughs> Ken big alive here on ESPN 106.3. Which athletes always seem to get special treatment also? If quarterback is number one, if you have a 13 or 14 year old based on longevity in the NFL and amount of money they can make in the NFL, what position should they focus on? 888 760 3776. 888 760 3776. And tweeted us at KLV 1063. It's a Monday. Glad we've started off in the most wordy and weavy, amazing, and and confusing way possible. It's Stone LeBano. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 1063.
1: From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. We are presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash sport.
0: Offensive lineman. I couldn't do it, but I also was tiny. Not happening. But man... could you be an offensive lineman stone? Would you have subjected yourself to that punishment? Because I always see gnarly fingers oh, and God. separated shoulders and knees rolled up on. Like I still think it takes a a special and I don't know if that's positive connotation all the time, special type of person <laughs> to want to do that for a living.
3: Now there was a place for us on the offensive line. Ken, guys like me and you, and plenty of us out there. It's long snapper. Okay? You got your hand in the dirt. You're calling the shots. You're the quarterback of that offensive line, at least four
0: or five times Wait, a game. Does a long snapper count as being a hand in the dirt, Ugh. tough guy lineman? No doubt about it, no. baby. Because
3: those guys are tasked with a big job on punt and kick. Now you're not allowed to be touched on the extra point, so so you know you're not much of a gritty guy because right. they can't even touch you right. or line up over you. But I mean, when you're on punt team, you know, you got to run down and you gotta, you got to get, get involved. you got to get dirty. But for guys like uh, me and you, that's where we belong on the offensive line. So my answer is if I was going to play a line, hell no. <laughs> never, ever would choose to do it. Seeing those guys go through hell and what a practice looks like for them is about 400 times what a quarterback does, what a wide receiver does, what anybody else on the team does during a practice. So no, I would never do
0: it. Where does linebacker come into play on this list? If we've got quarterbacks as the number one, your 13 or 14-year-old, you, you you want him to, to be in the NFL based on longevity and money that you could make in the NFL. What position are you telling him to focus on? Obviously, quarterback is number one. I think a resounding and overwhelming number two is wide receiver because, again, there's no rules against wide receivers. You just do whatever the hell you want and uh, you, you run free. Uh, defensive end, I think, is my three because maybe two snaps in a four-down set and uh, you're basically getting paid millions for a couple of sacks. If you have... What five six sacks in a season? You're pretty valuable. Yeah, you're like top fifteen in the league. Yeah, you're pretty valuable. Your success rate of sacking the quarterback, which is your priority at that position, it's such a small conversion rate that means such big dollars. Why wouldn't you be a defensive end? Uh, and then after that, uh, you're trying to make the case for kicker or punter. Yeah, I and mean, there's not based on everything else. There's not a ton of money there. Longevity, okay, it's there. Practice time that you can spend. Uh, basically, playing quarters or flat, uh, paper football with your buddies in the in the stands. Uh, yes, that's worth it.
3: My favorite thing that the kickers punters do is if when you're on offense and you're doing a drill called inside, right? So it's just offensive linemen, linebackers, and running backs, and it's just kind of just running the mm-hmm. ball, right? It's run scheme, and you get to hat for a hat, get up there. Well, the punters and kickers get to come play receivers mm-hmm. and run routes on air for the defense. So you got a punter or a long snapper running a dig route <laughs> just to give the safety a look. Like, that's what these guys do. Oh, like they, they get paid. You're talking about the, the the pay scale. If you're out there making millions doing anything. Doing to that, yeah. Doing anything, that's what you want to be doing. Dude, you
0: feel? Uh, I feel like you're salty about the, the kicker-punter situation. So salty. Because coaches don't give a damn what they're doing. Oh, man. As long as they so got funny. their kicks
3: in. But here's the thing with linebackers, Ken. The... How you decide if your kid's going to play linebacker when he's 14, right? That's what, that's what age we're, we're basing it off of. In his childhood, did he break stuff in the house? <laughs>
0: Was he does, a bowling ball?
1: Okay. Does, he,
3: does he not go to sleep? Is he like <laughs> the one who's too hard to put to sleep? Does he, is he too loud? Uh-huh. Is he always getting trouble in class? Okay. Like, are you getting calls home from school? Okay. Is he always in ISS? Like, those are your linebackers <laughs> there. Because the kids... And I, I'm speaking only from the collegiate level, but the kids who played linebackers, our best ones, were crazy. They were the troublemakers. They were the tr- – literally crazy Steal their guys. parents' car. Absolutely. Just, like, not afraid to do anything. Like, on a night out drinking, he's the guy drop, jumping off the, the front porch uh-huh. right, right, right. onto the table. Like, it's always the linebackers. As you do. Yeah. Because they're the ones who were just – consistently bashing their head into
0: people that are bigger than them on a constant basis. It makes no sense. I actually love this. What we're going to have Stone do as well later this week is he's going to come up with uh, what we'll, we'll call it football red flags. The personality <laughs> and character traits you need to look out for to dictate. This is our scientific study yes. about personality traits that will dictate what position your kid should be in competitive football. I got We're you. We're doing this for you. Don't waste your time going and get the fancy quarterback coach. If if your your kid is jumping off the roof or is getting two hours a night and then just guzzling Red Bulls, yep. uh, is a bit erratic, forget it. F- fire the quarterback coach and just say, go play linebacker. Problem solved. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. Which athlete always gets the benefit of the doubt, the most protection on the quarter of the field? Which athlete always seems to get the special treatment? On Twitter, at KLV1063, Kenny tweets, Tom Brady. I can't believe nobody's brought him up yet. Tom Brady got his ACL torn, and since then, the NFL changed all of its rules where you can't touch a quarterback below the knee. Simply. Like, that's just it. Basically made the quarterback... Uh, a red jersey quarterback. No touch. No touch. You have about a two foot, uh, a two foot radius where you can wrap your arms around a quarterback. And that's it. Thanks to Tom Brady. And now but yeah, also thanks to Tom Brady, if you just
3: move your arm forward just a little bit, it's not a fumble. Like, yeah. like so he just helps you out in each
0: and every way. Thank yeah. you, Tom. Uh Jeff Camp, he tweets, Peyton Manning, Colts version Peyton Manning. He was worse. Then Tom Brady, when it came to leaning into the official, so many BS calls went his way. It's because he couldn't move. It just felt bad for yeah. him. You're going to get killed out there. Sitting duck in that <laughs> spot. Uh, I, should, I should call Pierre Garçon, too, and be like, hey, everybody's crapping on your dude. Everybody's crapping on Peyton Manning. I'm crapping on you because you had the easiest job in football. Yes. And your quarterback, your quarterback, all he did was die for flags. How does that make you feel, Pierre. How does that make you feel? Ross Devonport? he tweets, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo is divy. And soccer's different because those fans will kill you.
3: If you're a referee and, <laughs> yeah, and you're screwing yeah, up a game, like,
0: you, you need security to leave yeah, the stadium. There, there definitely is uh, there, there's a blueprint for that. You're, uh, you're exactly right. Ken LeVick alive here on ESPN 106.3. Hey, bright line, the easiest way to get through South Florida, and I, I would hope that this weekend taught you a lesson. It is really hard to get around South Florida, especially when there's a massive, soaking, tropical wave that goes through. It just If you're with your kids, everybody loves a train, first of all, okay? You want to get to the museum in Fort Lauderdale. You want to get down to Miami, hang out on Brickle or go to South Beach. I'm telling you, just use Brightline. You want to go to Inner miami take the goal train, you want to go to uh, the Marlins, take Brightline, just go down there. Brightline. Go Brightline.com, the free Brightline app. It's right there for you. You travel in style and you travel stress-free. I talk about it a lot because I use Brightline a lot. Because I, I, I honestly, I hate driving throughout South Florida. It's impossible to get anywhere at any time of day. Brightline's not just a train. It's a way to beat the traffic and save on fuel. Save on gas. That's not real fun right now, putting all that money into your gas tank. So take the train, okay? Flexible fares for as low as $10. City to city, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and 30 minutes, and you don't have to take any of that gas out of your tank. Book your next car-free, care-free trip at gobrightline.com or the free Brightline app. Lunch hour, hour two when we return. Stone LeBanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.